Hi, Lakeshore City Church family. Uh, so excited to be with you uh, this morning. Uh, funny story, we tried recording this out in the dining room and uh, didn't realize how loud a, an isolated family can be. And so what we've done is we've uh, moved this to my office. So hopefully we'll try to, re to reduce or remove as many distractions as possible. Uh, we'll get through this, I promise. If you hear some um, noise in the background, I apologize about that, but uh, it is what it is, right? So um, I was uh, thinking back as I was preparing for this message, you know, Charlie had asked me to, to preach on this Sunday uh, before the end of last year, and never could I have imagined that uh, we would be faced with the challenges that we are faced with today. I mean, just to think of how we are scattered as people, um, to, to think that we're restricted from being able to live out our normal daily routines, um, you know, that we're, we're isolated, incredibly isolated from one another. I think it's really fair to say that these are unprecedented times. I mean, think back into our nation's history, never in our nation's history, even in our most volatile moments, have we ever had to shut down our nation. As, as we've had in the last couple months. Um, and, and that's not just us, I mean, and that's worldwide. I mean, think of the countless numbers of schools and playgrounds and parks um, that are void of our children's presence, their laughter and their play. I mean, you think of the, the most prominent businesses in the world on the busiest streets uh, that have had to close their doors. Uh, something that really hit me was you know, even this morning, as we gather as an online community, uh, the imagine the number, the, the countless number of church sanctuaries that just uh, sit, that sit empty uh, this Sunday morning. Um, it's very sad, to say the least. Um, but, you know, God is God, and he reigns supreme. And even though we're not able to gather physically, we're, we're able to, to gather virtually as an online community. And so I'm, I'm certainly thankful for that. I, I think, you know, as we think of the global pandemic, these are really uncertain times. And I think it's really natural for people to feel uh, worried and afraid, um, to feel anxious, especially when we're confronted with some of the headlines that we read every day. And, and I wanted just to quote a few, you know, coronavirus cases reach 2 million. Uh, death toll exceeds 100,000 worldwide. Um, unemployment claims near 17 million in three weeks as coronavirus ravages economy. Our worst economic crisis since 1930s depression. I mean, this is this is the reality of our time. This is where we are presently. This is our context, our climate. And the one question that just keeps coming to me is, what do you do with the worry that you have? What do you do with the worry that you have? And I, and I thought about this, and I think most of us, if not all of us, at some point ha have played a little bit of a game, and, and it's a very dangerous game. It's called the what-if game. And it, and it goes something like this, you know, what if I get sick? And if I get sick, what if I get my spouse or a child sick, a family member, a friend, or a coworker? You know, what if someone dies? What if I die? Or, or somebody close to me dies. You know, what if life never looks the same? What if the economy doesn't bounce back the way that we're hoping it's going to? 
What if I lose my job uh, in the midst of this thing? What if I lose my ability to provide for my family? You know, what if I can't pay the mortgage or the rent? And that, that what if game goes on and on. And the more questions that you ask, uh, the greater your anxiety is, the, the greater your worry, your fear. And, and I don't think believers are, are immune to kind of those natural feelings of, of worry and anxiety. Sometimes I think the trials can be so daunting that we lose sight of the solution, that we suffer from a spiritual amnesia, if you will, that we lose our, our confidence and, and our stability, that somehow, somewhere along the, the way, we lose our trust in God's wisdom, his strength, and his goodness. All of a sudden, God is not wise enough. He's not strong enough, or he's not good enough to get us through these troubling times. I think Peter is a perfect example of this, and we find this in Matthew 14. It starts in verse 25. It says, Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they exclaimed, it's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage. It is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and he came towards Christ. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? I think it's easy to judge Peter in this situation. But, you know, Peter had incredible faith. Um, he asked the Lord to command him to come out of the boat, and, and Peter responds in faith. He, he gets out of the boat, and he starts walking on water, but then something happens. He, he starts to, to, to realize that the wind is maybe stronger than he anticipated. He starts to realize that he's walking on water, and, and what happens is he suffers from spiritual amnesia, and if he does that, he suddenly starts to fall into the sea. But what does Jesus do? It says here that he immediately reached out his hand and caught hold of him. You see, Peter suffered from spiritual amnesia and Jesus is standing right in front of him. And if it can happen to Peter, it can certainly happen to us. So what do you do with the worry that you have? Maybe there's a better question. Maybe the right question is, what does God want us to do with the worry that we have? Because I think in our own strength, we see what happens when we try to resolve our own worry. So maybe the better question is, what does God want us to do with the worry that we have? And I think clearly we can see here from our passage today that the answer is prayer, that the cure to worry, the antidote to anxiety is found in prayer. If you will, please open your Bibles to Philippians 4, um, 5 through 7. And we're going to start at the end of verse 5, and we'll continue through verse 7. So the Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. 
but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love that passage where it says that the Lord is near. That the word near can be translated in two different ways. It can be translated as, as near in time or near in space. And I think given the context of this passage, you know, Paul is saying that the Lord is near to us in space. And I want us to think about that. The living and almighty God, the one who set time into motion, who created the heavens and the earth and everything within it is near us as believers. You know, just as Jesus was present and close enough to grab Peter's hand when he was gripped with fear and starting to sink, Jesus is present and close enough to us now to catch us when we have fear, worry, and anxiety, and when we start to falter and fall. The truth is, because we have the presence of God with us, we don't have to worry about anything. There's nothing in this world. There's no circumstance or situation, no trial or tribulation, nor temptation that can cause us to worry when we realize that we have the presence of God. Jesus reminds us of this in Matthew 6, 25 through verses 32. And he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more um, than clothing? Consider the, the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can you it says, can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? He says, so don't worry. So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows what you need. You see, God is our provider. God is our protector. There is nothing, absolutely nothing outside of his sovereign control or too difficult for him to handle. If prayer is the antidote to anxiety, then when are we to pray? We find that in Philippians 4, 6. It says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We are commanded to pray in every circumstances, especially those that cause us concern, that cause us fear and worry and anxiety. In Peter 5, 7 it says, cast all of your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. You know, unfortunately, many of us, instead of casting all of our anxiety on him as our initial response, what we do is we try to solve the problem 
within our own wisdom, our own power, and our own strength. And it's not until we come to the end of that do we then lean on God. Just think back to how many times you have allowed worry and anxiety to grip your life, where it's manifested in sleepless nights, neck pain, back pain, headaches, panic attacks, stomach aches, and the list goes on and on. But I think the question that Jesus asks us is so appropriate. Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? Think back in your life about a time when you've been worried and, and ask yourself, was it productive? Did it add value? Or did it just simply rob you of the peace that God would want you to experience every day of your life? So we are to pray. We are to pray constantly, and we are certainly to pray during circumstances that cause us anxiety and worry. So now that we know when we are to pray, let's find out how. And it says here as we continue, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You see, all of these prayers, uh, petitions, and requests are all synonyms for reaching out to God. In our prayers and petitions and requests, we need to make sure that we are addressing God directly, that we come with a sincere heart, and that we come with incredible reverence. You see, God knows and anticipates what we will cry out for when, when we face challenges and problems. It says in Matthew 6, 8, your father knows the things you need before you even ask. See, our prayers must not only be directed to God, not only are they need to be sincere, and not only do we need to have a, a posture of, of reverence, but, but we need to come full of faith. Our prayers need to be filled with faith, absent of any doubt, questioning, or blame. James 1, 6 through 8 says this, but let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. You'll notice how Paul continues and he mentions that our prayers need to be filled our petitions, our requests need to be filled with thanksgiving. We need to have an attitude of gratitude, if you will, regardless if it's in the midst of our greatest pains, regardless if it's in the, the greatest moments of sorrowful tears, or if it's in laughter full of joy and jubilee. We are always to, to come to God in thanksgiving. And it's not just thanksgiving for what he's doing for us now, but it applies to what he's did, uh, done for us in the past and what he's going to do for us in the future. But I think it poses a logical question. How am I supposed to have an attitude of thanksgiving in the midst of my most desperate cries? And, and I want to give you three answers to that that I hope will help. One, we need to know, um, not feel, we need to know that God is using these trials and tribulations to mature us so that we become more Christ-like. We find that in James 1. We need to know and trust 
that God has said that, that he's not going to give us a trial that is, that is so far beyond our ability to handle it as he outlines it in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And what I love, Romans 8, 28 says that all things, all things God can use for good. You see, when we cry out to God, when we pr pray, petition and request in faith and thanksgiving, it says, the scripture says that we will have a peace, a peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. And that that peace is going to be guarded by none other than Christ Jesus. What an incredible promise that is. What an incredible promise that is. That when we are faced with the most difficult things in our life, that God has promised that he is going to give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. That's amazing. And one commentator described it like this. It's a transcendent calm that lifts the believer above the most debilitating trial. You see, the real challenge for the Christ follower, the Christian, is not to eliminate, eliminate every unpleasant circumstance, but it's to trust in the good purpose of our infinite, holy, and sovereign God with every difficulty. I want to say that again, that the real challenge of the Christian life is not to eliminate every unpleasant circumstance. It is to trust in the good purpose of our infinite, holy, sovereign, powerful God in every difficulty. You see, those who honor him by trusting him will experience this blessing of peace. And that peace will guard, says, our hearts and our minds, which means our entire person from all worry and anxiety. And it's a peace that is only found and it's secured through Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. That's how we lead a stress-free life. I'm reminded of Matthew 7, 24 through 27, and this is Jesus' words. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. We as Christ followers have built our foundations on the rock. And the rock of our salvation is Jesus Christ. You see, the rain is going to fall. The rivers are going to rise. And the winds are going to blow. But it says here that this house didn't collapse. And neither will we if we come to Jesus in our most difficult times and pray out to him in thanksgiving. And when we do that, we are going to have a peace that surpasses all understanding. Remember, the Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.
Amen. I love you, church family, and I look forward to a day uh, we can all be gathered and uh, just spend time in fellowship with one another.